Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. Three. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 3, Quite a Common Fairy. The original air date was October 13th, 2013. The writer was Jane Espenson. The director was Alex Zaxrexi. The title card was Tinkerbell. Yay! We begin our story in Neverland, where Mary, Margaret, David, Regina, Emma, and Hook continue on their search for Henry. Emma now has the map to lead them to Peter Pan's camp, but she notices the location has changed as Pan is moving his camp to throw off the group. Elsewhere in Neverland, Pan wakes a sleeping Henry. He tosses him an apple, which Henry rejects based on a family avoidance of the fruit. Undeterred, Pan holds up a crossbow and tells Henry he wants to play a game he calls target practice. Oh, this doesn't bode well. Also, did y'all ever have like a psycho friend? Like I had a few psycho friends in my youth. I was just too damn friendly to the other misfits and outcasts. And wow, that energy can invite the wrong people into your life. I do not care to talk about the sheer number of psycho friends I've had in my life. (laughs) (laughs) In the enchanted forest, Mulan and Robin Hood look on as Neil rummages through the dark castle, trying to find something that will enable him to travel to Neverland. You know, this show has a lot of really bad CGI, but the pan into Rumpelstiltskin's house is some of the absolute worst. But eh, at least Thor's hammer is here. That seems unrelated, but okay. How, how do you pronounce <laughs> it? It's like Mew Mew, right? Mjolnir. <laughs> Mjolnir. Mjolnir. That's Mjolnir. right. Mew Mew. Mew Mew. <laughs> say, it's only Mew Mew if you're Kat Dennings. <laughs> Mew Mew. Mew Mew. What's Mew Mew? Mew Mew. What's Mew Mew? I think that was a physical prop. Most of most of the Dark Castle was CGI, yeah. Though, no, maybe. Mjolnir was a physical prop, which is why it didn't look like Boo Boo, <laughs> unlike the exterior of the house. Yeah, it was a bad environment, though. Like it did not. There was lots of there was lots of feet hovering. Mm-hmm. There was lots of feet hovering. Even I noticed, and I usually don't notice the feet hovering. There's always just that, like, oh hey, you can definitely see the difference between the floor and the bottom of the shoes <laughs> you could like pass your hand under <laughs> little john soon arrives along with robin hood's son roland upon seeing roland neil figures out a way to get to neverland oh dear neil's chaotic genes just lit up like a damn firework <laughs> we skip back to neverland as the group looks over the map attempting to figure out a way to get to pan and henry A frustrated Regina once again suggests she use magic to teleport them to Pan's camp instead of walking. Hook believes that Pan will have shields up against magic. Attempting to teleport there will result in their deaths. Hook proposes an alternative solution, that they use someone Pan trusts to get close to him, namely a fairy that lives on the island. Emma realizes that Hook means Tinkerbell, the most famous fairy every child in the world knows about. An agitated Regina dislikes the idea, claiming that Tinkerbell will not be able to save them. And Regina's face when Emma says Tinkerbell is so good. Like right <laughs> away, it's such a, oh shit, my ex face. Like the ex energy is so real in this episode. <laughs> it cracks me up. In the enchanted forest of the past, the queen dines on a lonely feast as her husband and stepdaughter are away. 
She is visited by Rumpelstiltskin, who is there to reprimand her for missing her magic lessons. She tells him that she is unsure of continuing her magic lessons, as she does not want a future like his. She's just like, ew, I don't want to be scaly. Murder's okay, I guess, but I draw the line at potential scales. <laughs> she's just like, I don't want to look like you. Like, I mean, she's vain as hell, so it checks out. <laughs> yeah. I like his pretend defense. Like, it's, like- it's very pretend because he like visibly barely gives a shit. Yeah, yeah. he's like, I don't know. I think I look great. He's I just like, like scales. He's just like, okay, honey. <laughs> Calm down, daughter. You probably already have half my jeans. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Get you a juice <laughs> cup or something. You're yeah. really fussy. You're really fussy tonight. You skipped your homework. <laughs> Someone not get their nap. You seem real fussy. <laughs> Regina complains she lives like a prisoner in the castle and longs for freedom. The Dark One tells her there is no stopping her magic lessons now that she has begun that she should just embrace the darkness. He tells her not to be late for their next lesson before he disappears. Feeling angry, the queen goes to her chamber's balcony. Regina's bed is like pink and white and it's so girly. I I really love it. But it also makes me think of how stupid King Leopold like dresses Regina and Snow the same. And I bet like their rooms are probably decorated the same. And that's really, his pretty Ew. birds in the cage yeah so that part's bad but the bed's still cute <laughs> the room where he keeps his pretty women pretty women pretty women <laughs> <laughs> i just straight on just got like shivers oh no we we can all agree that it's gross as fuck yeah it was like when i first saw it, i was like oh her, her room's so cute and then i was like oh it I probably looks exactly like snow's, snow's room yeah, yeah. Regina takes her anger out on the railing and it breaks and she loses her balance and falls. For a castle, this is some shitty craftsmanship. (laughs) True. Yeah. Just before she hits the ground, Regina is stopped by a fairy. The fairy tells Regina she is giving her a second chance. Using magic, the fairy levitates the queen back up to her chambers and tells the queen her name is Tinkerbell. And I love Tinkerbell so much. Later, drinking and eating al fresco at a local tavern, Regina gripes about her life, mostly Snow White, to an attentive Tinkerbell. Let me regale you with the woe that is my life and the simpering child who hath plagued my days. She straight up tells Tinkerbell that Snow White had her fiancé killed, and I'm just like, Regina, you dumb bitch, I am so tired of going over the fact that your mother killed your fiancé, like... My God, you are so dumb. A 10-year-old did not put a hit out on Daniel. Get your head out of your ass. I am tired of this conversation. (laughs) Regina confesses that she is glad when her husband and stepdaughter are traveling. She may be a queen, but she feels like the queen of nothing. Tinkerbell comments, no wonder why you jumped. Regina scoffs at that, insisting she fell from the balcony and didn't jump. Tinkerbell offers to help her find what she needs, love. Regina is skeptical. But Tinkerbell implores the queen to believe in her. Tinkerbell's just like, girl, murder is not the only option here. There was a deleted scene here where like a knight comes over to to Regina and Tinkerbell's dinner. And I guess Regina attempts to shoo him away. And Tinkerbell like points her wand at him and uses her magic on the knight in order to deal with the unwanted guests. And I guess the result makes the women and the people at the table like burst out with laughing. So I don't know what, what they did. 
it, it was only used in like the promo photos and I guess it's in the original script. I don't know if, well, it had to have been filmed, but I don't know if it's like included in the DVD or not. So there was that. Just more gals being pals. Yeah, just more gals being pals. You know, big gal pal energy. <laughs> like, hey man, get away from us, filthy man. <laughs> Can't you tell that like, you know, we don't want no men around here? Yeah, <laughs> boys are gross. They're, boys are gross. They, have, they have cooties. <laughs> In present-day Neverland, Regina accidentally drops her handkerchief and walks on without it. It is immediately picked up by someone whose face is obscured from view. Catching up to Emma, Regina tries to persuade her to use their magic jointly to find Henry and overpower Pan, but Emma refuses. Regina makes a snide remark about Hook being her boyfriend and then apologizes, saying she only worried about Henry. And dude, is this episode like a fave of Swan Queen fans? Because Regina is so visibly jealous of Emma and Hook. And it's like, Regina is so clearly into Emma this season. (laughs) Regina is so dumb jealous, it's coming out of her ears. (laughs) I like how she's like, your boyfriend. Like, she's a step away from making kissy noises because she's having such a massive bi-panic moment. She really is. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. Look, woman, you are not subtle. She's so into her. (laughs) Meanwhile, Henry watches Pan dip an arrow into dream shade, which he tells Henry is a nasty poison. Then Pan hands the crossbow to Henry, instructing him to shoot the apple off Felix's head, much like Williams tells Felix. Henry takes aim for the apple, then changes direction and shoots the arrow at Pan. Pan easily catches the arrow before it hits him and leads Henry away saying he has something to show him. Nice try, Henry. I love that everyone claps and Pan is just like, hell yeah, Henry, way to try and kill me. High five, bud. (laughs) I know, right? Jesus fucking Christ. This little psychopath is just like, you tried to murder me. I like you. (laughs) Like, what is happening? (laughs) In the dark jungle, Hook tells David that he knows he is wounded and asks to see the wound. Checking to make sure Mary Margaret isn't watching, David lifts his shirt to show that the poison is spreading. Hook tells David he is sorry and that he only has days to live. David refuses to tell Mary Margaret and is relying on Tinkerbell and her pixie dust to heal him. Mm. Sorry, I had a disappointed Marge voice. (laughs) (laughs) Don't lie to your lady. Don't lie to your wife. In the enchanted forest of the past, Regina and Tinkerbell leave the tavern as a clock strikes in the distance. Tinkerbell leaves Regina, telling her she will see her soon. Tinkerbell then shrinks and flies into a hideous CGI tulip field where the blue fairy reprimands her for breaking fairy rules. Tinkerbell replies that she was only helping Regina. The blue fairy reminds her of Regina's relationship to Cora and the Dark One and that Tinkerbell cannot help her. Tinkerbell insists that that attitude isn't very fairy-like and will not give up on Regina. Blue refuses to give Tinkerbell the pixie dust and tells Tinkerbell to remain here in order she immediately disobeys when the Blue Fairy leaves. Yo, go fuck yourself, Blue. Tinkerbell is awesome. The Blue Fairy is a life ruiner. At least Tinkerbell doesn't have to wear one of those stupid jellyfish dresses. Oh, thank <laughs> Christ. I know. They make me so angry every time <laughs> I see them. I'm just like, why? In the Dark One's palace, Neil tells Robin Hood of his plan to use Roland to lure the shadow and assures Robin that no harm will come to Roland. 
I legit feel bad for Rob. And he's like, dude, you, you want to use my kid for bait? Like, I love you, Neil, but uh, <laughs> you can not be surprised. He's like, um, no. <laughs> Neil then pleads with him, reminding him that it is because of Rumpelstiltskin, his father, that Robin's wife lived. Robin finally relents, giving Neil one chance. Uh, it's because of Belle. But sure, okay, rewrite that and then take her agency away. I mean, it isn't as if we aren't used to it by now. <laughs> Jesus on toast. I guess Robin was a different actor at the time. So it's a yeah, different actor, fuzzy. different timeline, I guess. <laughs> like uh. we are we're in a different timeline. But yeah, buddy, you owe your life to Belle. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that everyone has come around to the exact point I made in our episode one talk about Bella Erasure. Hashtag Lynn was right. That's I'm right. adding that to the in discussion. <laughs> I'm adding it right now. I don't know how many more times I'll get to use it since I, August is not as much of a presence anymore. And that was usually <laughs> reserved for me screaming about August. <laughs> I'm sure more things will come up. Back in Neverland, Emma comments that Regina is falling behind the rest of the group and that Tinkerbell's home is right up ahead. I love in this scene, Regina's like, hey, back to Emma in this scene. The delivery was comedy gold. Lana is just really good in this one. She's like, hey. Like, as in, like, she's mimicking? Yeah. It was a really funny moment. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> Regina tells them to go on, and she'll wait here. Emma asks what Regina did to Tinkerbell, and Regina admits that they have a complicated history, but refuses to elaborate, saying that if Tinkerbell sees her, she won't help them with Operation Henry. I love that Emma is immediately sus. I love that Regina immediately jumps to, why would you assume I did something? And then immediately calls bullshit on herself and like drops the facade. Regina has this such like perfectly antsy, I don't want to see my ex because I ended things and it's my fault. And I went bad energy in the scene and it's so good. The queer panic in this episode is turned up to 11. It really is. Regina continues on telling Emma that if they can't find Tinkerbell at her last known whereabouts, then don't bother continuing the search and just work on finding Henry, causing Emma to curiously ask again what Regina did to her. She replies that she did what she always does. These end scenes, though, are, like, really sweet with them talking about, like, Henry's various operations. Mm -hmm. Overall, I thought this whole scene was excellent. Wow, Regina is being self-aware. That won't last. (laughs) Nope, not at all. But I I was proud of her for a moment. I'm sure she'll disappoint me again soon in the future. She's nothing if not consistent that way. (laughs) (laughs) In the enchanted forest of the past, Tinkerbell returns to Regina at her palace, asking her if she's ready to fly. Excited, Regina is sprinkled with pixie dust and flies out with Tinkerbell. I would have been like, so much happier if Regina had been shrunk to size like Tinkerbell size like her little fairy size and they would have been like two little fairies flying out together well that'd be cute that'd be cute yeah Yeah. Tinkerbell then uses more dust to find Regina's happy ending the dust points down into the forest on the ground Regina and Tinkerbell peek into a window and see a man outlined in pixie dust who will be Regina's soulmate and he's identified by a lion tattoo on his wrist. And I like that this flashback is about Tinkerbell finding Regina, her soulmate. But like, these two are so clearly into each other. I wonder, what is their ship name? Is it like Regal Fairy, Regal Bell, 
Well, it wouldn't be Regal Bell because that's confusing, but Tinker Queen. Tinker Queen. Tinker Queen. Fairy Queen. <gasps> fairy Queen. Fairy Queen. Aw. That is I hope, it, I hope it's cute. Fairy Queen. That's cute. I like it. Name. Mm-hmm. If it isn't that, it's a freaking missed opportunity. Yeah. T- tell us, listeners, tell us what it is. Tell us tell what us. it is, is on uh, social media. Tinkerbell tells her that this is her fresh start to let go of the past, and then she leaves. Regina opens the door of the tavern, ready to meet him but is then suddenly afraid and flees. In present-day Neverland, Regina hears rustling in the jungle and calls out to get this over with. Tinkerbell emerges and reveals that she heard all of her conversation with Emma. Angrily, Tinkerbell blows pink powder into Regina's face that causes her to drop to the ground. Meanwhile, the rest of the group searches Tinkerbell's empty treehouse for pixie dust. Emma remarks that it reminds her of her old apartment, because it's just a place to sleep. Mary Margaret emphasizes, much to Emma's surprise. She reminds her daughter that she had a tree stump, not unlike this barren tree house, which she used during her time on the run from the queen. And I really like this small exchange between Emma and Snow. It's a very natural follow-up to the climax of the last episode. And I'm glad that we're, we're getting these little moments of Emma and Snow, like, relearning who each other are. Because... Emma really only knows Mary Margaret. Like she doesn't really know her mom yet because she was, I feel like very hesitant to it in the last season. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, hey, we're, we're following through. We, we picked up some narrative and we're like going through episodes with like it consistent. They're like dealing with things. <sighs> Shock and gasp. Wow. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> Mary Margaret then states, Why would a fairy need a ladder as she ought to use her wings? They then find Regina's handkerchief and realize that Tinkerbell has been tracking Regina, so they quickly leave. Regina wakes up disoriented in an unfamiliar location with her hands tied at the feet of Tinkerbell, who says she's been waiting for this chat for quite some time. Regina realizes that Tinkerbell has no magic and frees her hands with her own magic. Tinkerbell places a poison-tipped arrow at Regina's throat, and Regina asks her how she got so low. Tinkerbell replies that it's because she met Regina. Mm, am I am I wrong? Is this a little gay? Like, are are they a little gay? Like, what's what's going on? My queerdo signals are just flaring. No, no, you're not wrong. Ninety percent of Regina and Tink's interactions are very gay. It's very, very gay. These two have bad breakup energy, and it's palpable. Mm. In the enchanted forest of the past, Tinkerbell visits Regina at her palace to ask how meeting her soulmate went. Regina lies, claiming that the pixie dust was wrong, and the man it highlighted was awful. Tinkerbell tells her that it's okay that she was afraid to go in. Regina tells her to leave, but Tinkerbell is upset because the pixie dust she stole from her was wasted. Hurt. Tinkerbell reveals that she thought they were friends, but Regina calls her a terrible fairy and orders her to leave. God, Regina, you suck. She's such a self-sabotager. It's infuriating. Mm -hmm. Okay, hear me out. I feel bad for Tink. I really do. But no one demanded that she steal anything. That was her own doing because like that was one of the things that she brought. She's like, I stole that, you know, pixie dust and stuff. And it's just like, Regina didn't really ask you to. She definitely should have pulled up kind of like a dossier on Regina before flying in headfirst to this situation. Because let's be real, Regina is a hot mess. Also, 
I'm curious, like, let's say Regina had gone into the tavern and met her soulmate and, you know, they both fell in love, blah, blah, blah. I pose this question to you too. Do you think King Leopold would have let Regina go? Or, or like, or like, you know what I mean? As in like, do you think he would have searched for her? Or do you think he would have just been like, oh, well, time to find a new wife? I, I don't think he would have just let her go. Because mm-hmm. Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, he was like real shitty about it when he was like, my wife's in love with another man. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yep. That's right. So, we read her diary. Yeah. Read so her he's, diary. He's oh. already got weird precedents. Like, obviously that, you know, comes after this episode, but. We've already seen that he has the capacity for real creepy weirdo jealousy monitoring her type shit. So I don't think that he would have been chill with it and been like, oh, boop a doop a doop, time to find another pretty girl for my pretty girl collection. I think he would have been like, no, I picked that one and like creepily gone after her probably because he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Back in Neverland, Regina pulls out her own heart goading Tinkerbell not to let the poison kill her, that she should kill Regina herself by crushing her heart. Regina asks her to show her who Tinkerbell is, to which she replies, gladly. Yeah, these two definitely boned. Or at least they, <laughs> or at least they really wanted to. It's like leftover tension. UST. Yeah. Like, I've seen this episode, but like, I never paid attention to it, I guess, because it was just like, take my heart. You take my heart. You crush it. And I was like, holy shit. Well, I said that in the season two wrap up. I was like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of ship Regina and and Tinkerbell. And I was not misremembering. No, no, you were not. Nope. In the former Enchanted Forest, Tinkerbell flies from Regina's palace and is stopped by the Blue Fairy, who is very disappointed in her protege. The Blue Fairy tells Tinkerbell that she no longer believes in her, and Tinkerbell's wings vanish. She falls to the ground, human size, and the Blue Fairy flies away sadly because she's a fucking cold jerk. Damn. That was a comical splat, though, with her shiny little pantalones hanging out. Her green lame kick pants for cheerleading. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, look at her little shiny green booty. Yeah, so what did she do with the high kicks? Yeah. Yeah. In Neverland, Tinkerbell demands to know why Regina lied about meeting her soulmate. Regina responds that she was afraid to let go of her anger because it was all she had. She believed being happy would make her weak. Regina tells Tinkerbell that if she crushes her heart, then her own heart will become dark. Tinkerbell is surprised to hear that Regina truly loves Henry and decides to not kill her, but also not help her, reasoning that it is likely too late anyways, as Henry has been with Pan too long. Tinkerbell gives the heart back to Regina and leaves. In Peter Pan's camp, Pan tries to convince Henry to stay with him and the Lost Boys. He tells him that magic is dying in every world, and Henry must save it. Also, in the beginning of the scene, Pan is just like, look at how much fun we have, while Lost Boys are just not very enthusiastically throwing knives at the ground. And I'm like, is this fun? Are they having fun? I I don't think they are, Peter. Disney did not own the rights to Fox at this time, but part of me just wishes that like Rufio would have come in and there was like this big old like power struggle and we finally got to hear like Rufio, 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 you know, like that would have been amazing. 
I love Rufio. I fucking love Rufio. Wasn't Rufio mentioned though? Yes. Like, didn't Hook say that he killed him? Yeah, yeah. Hook Hook does mention that he kills him. So I think I think unfortunately, um, yeah, no, Nyliner robbed us of any yeah. chance we're gonna get of that. Yeah. Um, Did he already mention that, or is he going? Yeah, to Yeah, it that? was it was when they were all when they were all fighting the Lost Boys. Oh, that's right. He says something yeah. like, "You saw what I did to Rufio." Yes, yeah. that's yeah. right. You saw what I did to Rufio. Yeah. I just remember the film Hook and like those sets. Like that was definitely alluring. <laughs> like oh, Hook is beautiful. my favorite Peter Pan adaptation. Like so absolutely practical sets. Yeah, like all those amazing beautiful. practical sets and stuff that like really emphasize like how much fun it was to be a Lost Boy. And, and discuss the best me. I had no idea because I was a kid at the time that Hook was a box office failure. Yes, it was. I, I saw it in the theater though. My mom, me my too. Mom took oh me. yeah, no, I did too. No, and I was in love. I loved it mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, yeah. I don't think to date there's really been a other than the Disney one, a Peter Pan that has, and Mary Martin, which gives me the willies. Um, (laughs) I don't like grown people playing children in a non like farce or, you know, parody like way. Oh, you mean like Felix? Like Felix? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's just weird. You know what I mean? You know, it, it always feels like the scene in Invader Zim with, I bet you think there's a problem with old kid over there. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like the child body with the old man's head. And he's just like, hi, how's it going? That's like kind of how I feel whenever we have Felix in a scene. Just like I bet you have a problem with old kid too. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just wish they had a budget to show actually how fun. Like go to REI, goddammit, and just like get some awesome, like really cool like zip lines and camping gear and whatever, and throw like some glitter and fucking like leaves on it and spray paint it and shit. Like use some imagination. No, they just throw knives at the ground. No, they were just throwing (laughs) knives at the ground. I mean, maybe the point is that it's supposed to just be really fucking depressing. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, maybe that's part of like the whole magic dying. Like that's what I'm going to choose to believe because like the magic the is dying life. and then like the, the, like the imagination part that keeps it like a thriving is. Well, and, and also when we, when we first got our intro to Neverland episode, Wendy is like, whenever the sun goes down, all the boys just start crying. So there's like yeah. a precedent there that like the lost boys are actually miserable. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like this just kind of highlights, like, even though Peter Pan's like, we have such great fun. We're such a good group of friends. We have fun. And they're all just like, I long for the embrace of death. (laughs) Fair. I think that's kind of the general consensus. That's right. Because even like Neil was like, Neverland. Yeah, he's like, Neverland. Goddamn, Neverland. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, Wendy just being like, the boys sob for like the entire night because they can't leave miserable and-, and and even though the 2003 peter pan is definitely my favorite peter pan i i definitely would prefer if i was going to be like a lost boy i want to be in the lot like a lost boy and hook <laughs> i feel like hook was the one adaptation where it was just all like no they're chill they have fun here yeah mm-hmm. it wasn't and that like, is the one where they like, like, like they didn't melancholy. need yeah that's true and like even in hook like they leave with the like the children are still happy in in neverland yeah. Like they stay in Neverland. It's not like in Peter Pan where they find homes for all the boys. Yeah. Where they really did actually want to go home. So I guess in that 
sense, this is a little bit more aligned with the original, you know, in the sense that like the boys are really longing for Mm -hmm. parents and a home and etc. Just not to fucking be here anymore. Just not to be here anymore. (laughs) And it's, they just got to pretend their little hearts out in order to pretend the pain away. With their knives. With their knives. knives. Peter Pan just being like, oh yeah, we had a week when we had three boys lose fingers. And I'm just like, God, sir. (laughs) And he's just like grinning and he's like, isn't it fun, Henry? We have fun. And Henry's just like, oh my God. (laughs) Pan suggests that Emma is not the savior because she broke the curse, but because she had Henry. (laughs) Which... That is a gross, gross take. Yeah. Pan gives Henry a roll of paper, telling him that this is the reason he's sure Henry is the one they've been waiting for. Henry drops the paper, saying he doesn't believe Pan. Pan cryptically replies that he reminds him of Henry's father. Hmm. In the Dark One's palace, Mulan puts everyone in place to capture the shadow. Though Robin is nervous to use his son as bait, he is happy to help Neil get back to Emma. Neil expresses his doubts that Emma will accept him once they're together. He says that if you love someone, you don't keep it in. You say it. And Mulan's face here kills me dead. I am so sad. So sad. And we aren't even at the sad part yet. I felt a pang in my heart and panic going, oh my God. Oh no. Is this the episode? This isn't the episode, is it? It is the episode. Yeah, I had forgotten that this was the episode. I got to that part and I just was like, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah. Little John and Roland enter and Robin reminds Roland of what he is to do. Then they get in their positions. Roland's face is the window and says, I believe. And the window bursts open and the shadow rushes in. The shadow attempts to pull Roland away. But Mulan swipes at it with her sword and it flies away. Neil eats himself out of the open window and catches a hold and flies away. Yikes, this is such a rough episode for CGI. Mm. A little while later, Mulan approaches Robin, kneeling by a sleeping Roland, and asks if he is all right. Robin replies that he owes her much and offers her a place among his merry men. Mulan kindly declines, saying that she needs to talk to someone. Robin asks her if it's a loved one, and she replies that she will see. Mulan then finds Aurora in her garden of her palace and says she needs to talk to her. And Mulan is so excited that Aurora is excited to see her. And you can see she has just so much hope and I am not okay. I'm not okay. Aurora excitedly tells her that she and Philip are expecting a baby. Mulan hides her disappointment and embraces Aurora and then tells her she is joining Robin's merry men instead of what she was really going to say. They wish each other goodbye, and Mulan leaves. Fuck this forever. Fuck this queer-baiting nonsense. This could have been an OT3. This could have been the most amazing sapphic dream come true, but no! You sank my battleship, how dare you! Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not, it's not exactly queer baiting since Mulan's feelings are clear and she is indeed canonically queer, but it is queer suffering. It yeah, is queer bullshit. Suffer. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they did this to us. It's like they threw us one 
sad bone. Like a bone was thrown, but it's a depressing one that went nowhere. I guess I, 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 they do a little bit, a little better later. So I, but, but it isn't Sleeping Warrior. And I'll be bitter about that forever. I thought I'd be a lot less angry about this this time around after having time to heal and grow as a person. But no, I'm still pissed. It's still horseshit. And once upon a time can still go fuck itself. Did they ever give a reason? They're fucking cowards, honestly. Yeah, and I think they really wrote themselves in a corner with, like, having saved Philip. Like, because if, like, Philip had been killed, I think this is the route they could have gone. But because they, like, had already established Philip and Aurora's true love, like... So, I mean, but he, I mean, he got killed off. Why couldn't he have just stayed just, dead? Yeah, he should have just stayed dead. I think, I love Prince Philip, but, like, he should have stayed dead. We could have gotten this and we stayed dead. I really feel like we could have... I, I mean, I love Prince Philip in the original Disney sure. movie. Sure. And I think this actor's very cute. I don't actually feel that this Prince Philip brings anything to the table. Mm-mm. No, because we don't, we didn't get their development. Like, we don't get their love story. He, like, we he got has Snow all and Charming. the personality of a brown paper napkin. The love story that we got in season two was Aurora and Mulan. And mm-hmm. here's, here's, okay, so here's what I'm wondering. Maybe, just hang with me. They were always intending to bring Philip back, right? They're like, oh, we'll bring him back. Like, they're going to go off on an adventure and they're going to find blah, blah, blah. But then, like, the chemistry was so good. And between the actors and the writing and, and the ship just sort of wrote itself that they were like, fuck, you know, what do we do? Well, we can go in this direction. We don't have to bring Philip back. And I don't know who said, no, we totally do. Or the alternative, which is so much worse, I think is they had always intended to kill Philip and have him stay dead and make Sleeping Warrior a thing. And then some, some dill hole, like way above, and I'm, I'm just going to assume beyond the show, I think beyond the shows, yeah, some you know, exact. some yeah. exact, yeah, some, some asshole in a corner office at Disney said, those little ladies need a nice man. You know, uh, you know, you can't have, Sleeping Beauty going off with like the warrior princess, you know, you know, and then they were like, well, come on, man, like, just let us do this thing. Like, I mean, they got great chemistry. It's, it's already, it's kind of already sort of done. We just got to seal the deal. And they're like, no, 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 no. You got to bring, bring back, you know, she she needs, she needs a man. She needs a man. It's like, And I think maybe like maybe their hands were tied. I think maybe if this season was being made right now. Oh, oh, there is no question. We would, we would have gotten them. We would have gotten None. them. We would have totally gotten them. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially young people, don't understand how far queer storytelling has come in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, God, this was less than 10 years ago, yeah, too. Yeah, ago, yeah. It was just like... <sighs> What it did, what it laid the groundwork for, I feel was very important. It wasn't a waste by any means. And I have a funny feeling it was the latter because they kept trying to bring queer characters in and they were more successful down the line. Back in Neverland, 
Tinkerbell leaves the cave and is immediately confronted by Mary, Margaret, David, Emma, and Hook, demanding to know where Regina is. Regina then exits the cave unharmed. They're all disappointed to learn that Tinkerbell can't help them, as she has no pixie dust or even her wings. However, she does know where Pan is. Mary Margaret offers to let Tinkerbell come back home with them if she gets them inside Pan's compound. She agrees, and they head back to their camp. David lingers, prompting Mary Margaret to check on him. He insists nothing is wrong, he just wants to get Henry back. He inquires how she knew Tink would agree to help them once she was offered a home. And Snow says it's because it's what she wanted and never found until she met Charming. Damn it, Charming. Tell your wife. Mm-hmm. Tell your wife. Charming. Tell your wife. Well, she's smarter than you. She'll probably figure out how to fix it. I, oh, I know. know. They could exactly. be helping you. When he's just like, doop doop nothing could be done. It's like, your wife's a fucking genius. Just tell her. She'll get it done for you. That's how this relationship works. <laughs> you go boop-a-doop and she goes, okay, I'm actually smart and I'll fix it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how every single conflict in this relationship is. At Pam's camp, Henry picks up the paper he dropped and unrolls it, revealing a picture of himself. Meanwhile, Neil lets go of the shadow and it drops him into the jungle of Neverland. He's then ominously greeted by Felix, who tells him that Pan will be happy to see him. This poor man just keeps getting yeeted. What is up with a weird twang to Felix's voice when he says, Bale fire? <laughs> he's super excited Bay is here. He's a fan. Also, he's real weird. <laughs> he's definitely not a grown-ass man pretending to be 11. <laughs> <laughs> At their camp, Tinkerbell asks Regina if she ever found the man with the lion tattoo. Regina says no, and Tinkerbell accuses her of being selfish, because that not only ruined her life, but it ruined his. In the Enchanted Forest, Wulan joins Robin's merry men at their campsite. As she shakes hands with Robin, it is revealed that Robin has a lion tattoo. Dun dun dun! And credits! Yo, this episode is so sapphic. Including actually canon sapphic content? I mean, it's depressing and disappointing as hell content, but canon all the same. I do really enjoy this episode for the most part. Regina and Tinkerbell are great. I love their ex energy. And also Regina is so into Emma. It's so obvious. It's really funny. Like swan queens, all you swan queens out there. I, I understand why you might have been really hopeful and then later felt faded after the season. Cause damn. Yeah, it definitely seems like she's into her. But for an episode about... Regina having a soulmate she's never met in Robin Hood. She's certainly very gay in it. So, Regina, way to be you, you funky, problematic, bisexual queen. Also, Lana is just so great in this one, especially the Neverland scenes, like, so well acted. She's just, she's just awesome. She is. So I take umbrage with this episode having a message that the end all to be all happiness is romantic love. And it's all Regina's fault for ruining her own life and Robin Hood's for being too scared to take a chance. Because one of the lines, Tinkerbell's like, you ruined his life too. And I'm like, okay, calm down. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like past Regina is very relatable. Like she's been hurt. And here is someone who is pushing her into very big changes that she just like is not ready for. 
like, where the hell were you beforehand, Tinkerbell? Like, why didn't you stop the wedding between Regina and Leopold? How is this all Regina's fault? I just, I, I don't comprehend the line of this alleged logic. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. Otherwise, like, I love the chemistry between them two. I like Tinkerbell. I, I love everything else about this episode. Well, <laughs> except the one thing, the other thing that I'm just not going to even talk about because I already said my piece with it. But like all the other like Tinkerbell Regina stuff, I'm okay with. But like the message behind it is just ugh, icky, icky. This episode sunk my ship and I'm upset forever. And all the CG was bad. I guess it was fine, but I'm 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 still still mad. The end of this episode is like, oh, you like the chemistry between Mulan and Aurora, and we're like, yeah. And they're like, well, it's canon. Mulan fell in love with Aurora, and we're like, yay! Wait, that's that means we're gonna go somewhere with that plot, right? That's just it's the it's the Anakin and Padme picnic mm-hmm. meme, <laughs> yes, and we're just is. sitting here going, Sleeping Warrior is actually gonna be a ship that's explored, right? And then Anakin's just staring and we're like, oh, Sleeping Warrior is actually going to be a ship that explored, right? But no, this is the end. You know, we, we, we see these characters again, but this is kind of the end of this. Aurora and Philip have their happy ending and Mulan gets to be gay and, and sad. And, you know, she helps people with their happy endings, but she never gets her own, at least as far as I saw to season five. There's ladies she gets to have chemistry with in the future, but... It's fun, but it's it's never the same as Sleeping Warrior because it was it's just shitty. They had so much potential. Like season two really did feel like a love story between them. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously not quite to the extent, but it's almost like they pulled the barrier gaze thing. Yeah, yeah. Except I think that's why I called it queer dying. The Aurora's having a baby, which in my opinion's worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's. I mean that. I mean that's that's. That's the history of queer cinema and queer literature is that during times where these stories couldn't be told, yeah. you could tell them, but they had to be a morality tale. So yes. someone had to die or be unhappy at the end. And that's kind of what we got here, which is, that's pretty, that's super backwards. I know it's, this is 2013 and it's crazy how far we've come because we wanted better back then, but there were so few things to actually hold up and be like, hey, we got it. And there still is now, but there's so much more now than we had. God, at the time, we thought that scrap was something, too. We did. We did. Like, there was so little good queer rep that we were like, yeah, but at least we got Mulan. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we basically were like little little orphan Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) Oliver Twist. Thank you for our table scraps. Mulan is queer. Thank you. We got something, finally. Something. Yeah. I, uh, you know what? I think we're actually going to love Seven, guys. I don't know. I'm calling it here. Seven might be a trash fire, but I I hear it has happy queer representation. And it does. we're going to just be like, oh, is season seven actually good? It's going to happen. Called it. Called it. I'll, I'll take a trash fire if it's a happy gay trash fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I looked up really quickly if I could find any reason as to why Mulan and Aurora didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, other than I found Jamie Chung being like, it's fucking stupid. And she was always in love with Aurora. So, oh, sweet Jamie Chung. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there, there was an article with her talking about it. And like, they were like, fans were like, oh, wasn't she originally with Philip? And Jamie Chung was like, nah, they had a, they had a warrior's camaraderie. It was always Aurora. 
Oh, it's Aurora. Bless your heart, Jamie Chung. She was like, the romance between them just felt natural. It felt like what should happen. And I was like, I love this woman. I love this woman. If I ever, man, if I ever have the opportunity to get that woman's like autograph, I would in a heartbeat. Like I'm not, I'm not an autograph hound, but my God, I'd be like, hello, will you please sign the Sleeping Boy of Fan Art that I purchased? (laughs) Sad. I'm sad. I'm sad. Still sad. It was nine years ago. I'm still sad. Mad and sad forever. Basically. Should we talk about costumes instead? Yeah. Even though we're going to be mad and sad yeah, about some of those. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So Regina's gown from the past was not my favorite. Uh, I like the chemise with the sleeves, but not like the overdress. I was not into the shape, the color, the accents, um, nothing. It was gross. <laughs> Regina's past outfit isn't good. It's like she made it out of her grandma's couch. Yeah, I like the shape of the sleeves and that's that's it same so it's a couch it's made out of couch can you believe these used to be drapes <laughs> i can in fact <laughs> <laughs> however i do love tinkerbell's outfit it's sparkly it's shiny it's adventurous and it's definitely hands down bar none no contest the best fairy outfit i also really like the grungy neverland version like it's a mm-hmm. nice piece of visual storytelling it's the same costume but it's in these darker colors it's more ripped it's just it's cool. It looks good. Mm-hmm. All right. Time to play Who's That Guest Star. In season three, episode three, we have Jason Burkhart as Little John. Burkhart is a character actor known for his roles in titles such as Psych, Arrow, The Magicians, The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, and Supernatural. Check your bingo cards. Yeah, time to <laughs> everyone do a shot. We've got another one from Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's time to sprinkle some like pixie dust and take a trip down once upon a timeline okay that's what i got <laughs> it's fine that's what i got <laughs> it'll it'll do <laughs> that'll do it's, pig <laughs> it's time to throw knives onto the ground and, <laughs> and hope <laughs> that it ends it. Un- un- <laughs> unenthusiastically <laughs> and hope that you'll hit a timeline or two all right So the flashbacks in this episode most closely follow those in season two, episode five, The Doctor, where we have last seen a younger Regina train with Rumpelstiltskin, having taken her first steps into the dark by having pulled out her first heart. And in this episode, we see a Regina halfway between her her younger, kinder self and her cold, angry, evil queen self. Then here, of course, we see Regina toss away her friendship with Tinkerbell and her second chance, uh, which then leaves us to a few years in the future where we'll hit the flashbacks we've seen so far that most closely follow these ones, which is season one, episode 11, The Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. Yeah. Yeah. A winner. (laughs) Yeah. So now we have our rants and raves, our segment where each narrator shares something they're loving this week or something that's, you know, getting under their skin. So speaking of sapphic gloriousness, I finished Gideon the Ninth, which wrecked me forever. Thank you, Lynn. I um, told you it was going to. You just you didn't... told me two years ago. Do you know the world was totally different? But like it's so good. It was a different place in a different time in a different universe. It doesn't mean I was wrong. I no, but but I had you're telling this to an ADHD woman. I'm calling ableism. <laughs> We've read them deep in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah Gideon the Ninth was on. my my comfort fixation that I got into in 2020. 
Of course, I immediately purchased its sequel, Harrow the Ninth, so that Good. should be arriving on Wednesday. I'm also happy that I was able to relieve some backburner stress off of Lynn's plate this weekend because... Yes, thank you. The other officiant, hi, Ariana, and I were, you know, we were just kind of going over um, our ceremony, the, the script on Friday night, and we were making sure that it flowed correctly. We we're making sure that each one of us felt comfortable with the passages that we were saying and what sounded good and, you know, making sure that everything was like evenly split. And we came up with a ton of questions to ask the the wedding planner. And one of the questions was, do both of us have to sign the marriage certificate? Lynn already knew the answer to that, which was only one of us gets to sign. And I said, oh, and I immediately just said, oh, well, Ariana will sign it. Both Lynn and Ariana are like, are you sure? It's okay. And I'm like, yes, it's a very privileged moment. And I don't want to deny my best friend that amazing moment because she and Elisa have known each other for Elisa, how many years since high school or junior high? Junior high. Yeah. Uh, oh. I was, yeah. I was in a, I was in eighth grade and Ariana was in seventh grade is when we met. Yeah. So long, 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 long time. Their friendship should be honored in this way. It was a very, very easy decision. And Lynn was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'd kind of been sitting on that for a bit being like, oh God, at some point I got to tell them. And I don't know if it's going to be like, kick fight it out. I'll kick be in fight. The room. <laughs> knife fight. Throw knives at the ground. <laughs> Throw knives at the ground. <laughs> Well, I, I very much appreciated that it was all just extremely easy. I was like, oh, thank God. I thought that was going to be a potentially a thing TM, and it was not. And I was just like, oh, no, thank God no, one thing is going no, easy about all this. Never be a thing. The whole point, let me impart some lessons onto the listeners if you don't already know this. The whole point in accepting a role in a wedding party is to be a shield against the stressors as much as you can for your brides, grooms, whatevers, for your friend, you know? And uh, I take that role seriously. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> I love you, man. Love you, man. <laughs> There's a lot of love in this podcast. I can feel it. <laughs> I don't know why my brain just went, and I feel God in this Chili's today. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. What is that from? It's the from office. the office. <laughs> it's when Pam gets drunk at the like. Pam award doesn't get ceremony. to come back to Chili's again after that. Oh no. <laughs> Oh man, I really want a bloomin' onion. Like so hard. <laughs> so hard. I'm thinking about trying to make one in my air fryer and I don't know how I think it's gonna go tits up, but I feel like I need to do it. You'll never know unless you try. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. What are you sharing telling this week, Lynn? Oh, it's me. Hello, friends. I come with a book recommendation for you from my cold anemic hands. <laughs> it's called A Lesson in Vengeance by Victoria Lee. Ooh. To quote the author, it's lesbian dark academia or plan the perfect murder, but one of them takes it too seriously. <gasps> oh, I'm putting it it's, in my wish list right now. It's very good and very queer and written by a trans woman. I found out about it through the whole icky owl crate debacle that happened a while back. And mm. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll buy that. I'll support you because the first trans author who was featured in that shouldn't get boned just because the person running Owl Crate decided to shove their whole head up their ass. Yeah. And it was really good. It's real moody. It's real moody and real gay. And I, I like those two things. Nice. Good. It's now in my uh, my wish list. Excellent. I got to try on 
the parts that are finished of my wedding dress yesterday. <gasps> Yay. Yeah, my friend my friend Aubrey, who's making the dress for me, brought brought over all the bits and pieces she had so far. Like some of the finished were part of the dress, some were maca pieces. We did a we did a fitting and it's I'm so excited. Oh yay. Yeah. I paid uh the last big expense for Linen Mind's wedding this week. And so now everything is basically paid for and it's a huge relief. So that is something I am definitely loving this week. Also, I took a little time for myself on Sunday to do something not productive and I played The Sims. Ooh. And it was fun and there's like a new wedding pack so I got to start doing some wedding things and it was fun and you know a waste of time but it wasn't a waste of time because I had fun doing it it was satisfying and I designed a pretty house and I had fun (laughs) I've come to the realization that the term wasting time should only be applied when one is spending time doing something that does not bring them joy or you know because I know that work you know, that's like a kind of necessary evil for most of us. So, you know, that that's not necessarily a waste of time. That is, you know, just a necessary evil. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I do. Yeah. If you got joy out of it, then it's if you got joy out of it, you know, it's then it's just it's not a waste of time. I mean, like Friday, I spent multiple hours just like petting Salem. Yeah. There are times where they just trap me in bed and I'm just like, well, I live here now. Yeah. this This is what I do. This is what I do. So yeah, that's not, you know, wasting time. That's spending time with my cats whose, you know, whose lives are not as long as mine. So I'm, I'm, what I see that as, is I am soaking up every moment with them that I can. So my boys turn 15 and I'm turning very maudlin about it. But they look so cute in their flower crown. I could not believe. Okay. So I took Kermit's first, right? And he was asleep in his little bed that's right by my, you know, my computer, which you now have seen. He was so still, like he didn't give a shit. And I was like, wow, because he was always the one that I had to like wrestle to the ground and hold still and stuff. Whereas Otis this time, he only wanted to be still on my lap. And that's a very awkward <laughs> pose for him, <laughs> for me and him and stuff. So and he's usually the the one who's like, I can put clothes on him and He'll just slink around the house being kind of like grumpy about it until he realizes he he is actually completely mobile. He just needs to walk normally and he'll be fine. <laughs> Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Mr. Gold makes a decision to confront Pan. But will he follow through to save Henry or give into the prophecy that the boy will be his undoing? He better he better save Henry if he knows what's good for him. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, Neil finds himself back in Neverland and in the custody of one of Pan's most loyal lost boys. And David struggles for his life as the poison continues to take its toll on him. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Rumpelstiltskin goes in search of a missing bay who has followed a mysterious figure luring children away with his music. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is you should have given us sleeping warrior, you cowards. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. 
If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Tinkerbell flies from Regina's palace and is stopped by the Blue Fairy, who is very disappointed in her protege. Protea- oh my god, protege. Oh my god, why can't I say it? Protege. Protege, thank you.